Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 134 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by my partner in crime, the co-host himself, Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how you doing? I'm good, Joey. Yourself? Very good, my friend. Very good. There's a lot to talk about. There really is. Let's dive straight into the review part of the show. We're going to talk about the fights from last week um, and last weekend. We're going to start, though, in the Town Hall in Walsall, West Midlands, United Kingdom. A huge upset over here. Let's talk about the main event. Tommy Langford, 20-1. and I believe it was his second defence, I think, of the British title here. So um, if he'd have won, which he didn't, only one more defence would have seen him win the belt outright. But anyway, in the other corner, Jason Wellborn, 22-6, and six, managed to carve out a split decision um, win in his favour. So Tommy Langford loses his British middleweight title here. Langford was also given a count in the second round, and he was cut above his left eye in the third round. So a huge upset there. One thing about that fight, by the way, is that it was a bit of a like a local kind of beef, if you like. I know that the you know the pair of them are both from from West Midlands, so quite a local little rivalry there. But unfortunately for our man Tommy Langford, he certainly is our man. He's been on the show once or twice. I got a lot of time for him actually. Um, he loses, so very very gutted for him. It was certainly always going to be a twelve round fight because both men are not really you know not really known as punchers, but a bit of an upset there. Um, certainly, certainly in the favour of, of, of Jason Wellborn. On the undercard, though, Dave Allen returned to the ring. He picked up win number 13. He got three losses and two draws. It's a shame, really, because obviously on the same night as this, his arch enemy, Lemroy Thomas, also fought, which we will get onto later. So um, I don't really see why they couldn't get a rematch going. And to be completely honest, Lemroy Thomas would have probably got more attention from the fans fighting Dave Allen again rather than his fight with Joe Joyce. Um, you know, probably because everyone really likes Dave Allen, so there was probably more interest there. I think certainly on social media, Dave Allen's a much bigger name than Joe Joyce. You know, it sounds kinda crazy, but that is the way it is. Um, Dave Allen actually took on a former opponent of himself in David Howe. That's the guy who's about six foot ten, but he doesn't really have much about him at all. Well, anyway, it was a TKO in round four. Dave Allen, I think, knocked him out before, maybe in the second or third round. So pretty much the same kind of thing there, like a repeat performance for Dave Allen. He's now thirteen and three with two draws. Unlucky for David Howe, now fourteen and nine uh, also on this bill a little shout out to Kane Baker he moved to seven and three it was a points win over Ibra Riaz again Kane Baker is a man that earned my uh earned my respect for sure when he when he gave um Sanjeev Sahota a real real tough night's work moving over now though to the StubHub Center in Carson California USA this fight wasn't televised in the UK it was very hard to find a stream I ended up actually Skyping um you know, our other host, as Mimi Melendez, she actually Skyped me and let me watch the fight off of her iPad, so I was really pleased about that. 
Um, I managed to watch the main event only. It was Ryan Garcia, 14-0, taking on Jason Velez, 26-4 with one draw. It was for the vacant NABF Super Featherweight title and the vacant WBO NABO Super Featherweight title. Um, Velez was cut on his right eye from a legal punch in round six. It ended up being a unanimous decision in favour of Garcia over the 10-round distance. It was what it was. I mean, you know, the much sharper and crisper boxer was Ryan Garcia. Velez, they did say he was actually working at a chicken restaurant for a while because, you know, he almost quit boxing. So, you know, I suppose it showed, really, he wasn't quite on Garcia's level. He wasn't as sharp as he was by any stretch of anyone's imagination. Um, it was still a good step up for Garcia, though. You know, you know, he's, he's certainly earning his experience. I like what they're doing with him. No problem you know, no problem from me with that fight at all. I feel that it was a good fight. It was a good it was a good time, really, for that fight in his career. And he's still certainly getting used to the pro game. Like I say, he had a handful, a real handful, a big BFG handful of amateur fights, Ryan Garcia. So, yeah, credit to him. I like what they're doing. Um, he's not everybody's cup of tea on social media, but it is what it is. Um, moving down the undercard here, another friend of the show, Gary Spike O'Sullivan, he picked up win number 28 out of 30 contests. Of course, he's got two losses. Anyway, he made his opponent, Berlin Abreu, retire after three rounds. Abreu was actually deducted a point in the third and final round for losing his mouthpiece, but apparently it looked like he, he kind of quit. Um, like I say, my, my ignorance, I didn't see this fight. If anyone would like to add their bit to it, please let us know. We will also be reaching out to Spike to try and get him on the show once again. He's been on a few times and it's certainly overdue. Um, moving over now though to Tokyo, Japan. One fight to mention over here. Tomoki Kamida, the guy that of course lost two fights to our very own Jamie McDonnell. No other man has been able to beat him and including this one here. In the other corner Daniel Noriaga, 30-11 and 11 with one draw. Tomoki Kamida won a wide unanimous decision over 10 rounds. He's now 35-2. and two. Moving over now, though, to the O2 Arena, the big card in the UK of the weekend. Let's start with the undercard. A few fights just to run through here that I believe were shown on Facebook live. I didn't know about that, so I missed all that. But Cody Davies moved to 4-0. It was a TKO in round 1 against Prism Slaw Gorgon. Um... Luke Campbell moved to 18 wins inside his 20 fights. It was a little bit of a keep busy kind of run out fight. Um, just, I believe, just to have one more before he takes on Eva Mendy in that world title eliminator. Um, in the other corner for this one was Troy James, 20 and 5 with one draw. Quite a nice job Luke Campbell did on him, actually, even though, you know, Troy James was only given a couple of days' notice. It was a fifth round TKO for Luke Campbell. Jordan Gill, he moved to win number 20. It was a points win against. Carl McDonald. Um, that was a six-round points win there. Josh Buatzi fought on this card as well. He managed to get a TKO in round five against Stefan Cuevas, who was eight and one with three draws. Buatzi moved, like I say, to six and zero. Oh. Um, do you know what? I don't want to be too critical of Buatzi, but he seems to me, as and I'm not quite sure if you, you know, if you agree or not, but he seems to me like he's kind of like the Olympian out of all of them that isn't really wetting my taste buds kind of thing. I'm not really overly excited to see him box. I don't know if it's if it's that he doesn't really carry too much power or something like that, but he just doesn't seem to have that kind of flair, that panache that the rest of them have got, like Cordina, like Josh Kelly. 
do you agree with me on that, Ayers, or is or am I just getting it horribly wrong? A lot of people saying Buetzi's, you know, perhaps the most promising of the lot, but for me, he's not the best to watch. Um, I'll tell you one thing: he's improving slowly by slowly. Obviously, he's um, he's had a couple of fights, but I reckon he'll, he he's going to be a star in the future. Well, I certainly hope so. I'm definitely on his on his bandwagon. Um, Moving up the bill once again here, Lemroy Thomas, 22-4 and four with one draw, took on the juggernaut Joe Joyce in just his fourth professional fight. Um, Thomas was down once in the first round and twice in the second round. Boy, oh boy, like I say, a huge step up there for Joe Joyce, and I couldn't believe, really, the way the fight went. I definitely couldn't see it happening early. I said, I think I said on last week's show, well, definitely, me and you, I, as went with a points win for Joe Joyce, even though he hadn't previously been points. But, you know, we gave a lot of credit to, you know, to um, to Lemroy Thomas, whereas the listeners definitely went with a Joyce knockout. Um, I just didn't see it coming as early as the second round. But the fight itself, um, you know, Joyce dropped him in, in round one with about two or three seconds to go in the round. Uh, it was a body shot as well, and Joyce was was you know he was just stalking Lemroy, and Lemroy would stupidly trade with Joyce. I felt that he was doing the wrong thing there, um, straight away. You know, sitting in the pocket and trading with him. I don't know why he was doing that. Um, Lemroy went down again in the second round, like I say, very early in that round, and then he took a knee late in the second round, but he stayed down. And Joyce doesn't seem the most heavy-handed puncher, but he's, you know, he's a volume puncher. He's big, he's strong, and he overwhelms his opponents every time. And he truly is a juggernaut. I mean, he's, you know, he's relentless with his pressure, and he just seemed to completely walk through a tough Lemroy Thomas. And it was a great shot selection once again from Joe Joyce. He, you know, he goes from head to body very very well Lemroy did land a couple of good shots himself in the second and final round but credit to Joyce for putting his man away that quickly Um, you know people forget that Lemroy is an old sparring partner of Anthony Joshua and he just completely got chewed up and spat out there and I believe it's some kind of record breaking um, win this to pick up the Commonwealth title in just your full fight I don't think that's happened for about 100 years or something bizarre like that so credit to Joe Joyce I add what did you make of his performance and what did you make of his um, you know his, his ring walk when he walked out to the ring with all that Mexican gear on and almost looked like he was trying to get the part in a new Dolmio advert <laughs> I think it's very very good that he came in a Mexican outfit I think he's been proven fight by fight I think he's improving a lot Obviously, we've seen him fight. Um, he's been an amateur for a very long time. He's he's got a very good amateur back uh, amateur pedigree background. So he's brought into the his boys' experience to the programs, and I, um, I like the way his haymaker promotions are doing the way they, uh, the way they're making them go forward. I can see him be a world champion, but not now in the next three four years. Well, at the rate that they want to move him, I mean, it's. Um... Yeah, I mean, three, four years, I think you certainly get a shot within that time. Whether he ends up winning or not is a different story. Um, yeah, also, you mentioned their Haymaker promotions, of course, in association with Ringstar Sports. Um, did you see, Ayaz, who he's been calling out on Twitter as well? I really, really enjoy um, you know, what he does on Twitter. He seems to go after people, and he uses social media really well. But have you seen him he's been calling out the last day or two? Call that Jared Miller. I think that's a very good fight. I think, to be honest, like um, with that fight, if I'm going to go for it, I'll go. I'll probably have to go for Jared Miller win on points. I know that sounds a bit crazy, but the reason is is because um, um, Jared Miller's for bigger name fighters. But I think it would be a very good test for Joe Joyce. 
yeah, I mean, an incredible step up it would be. Um, by the looks of things, Big Baby Miller doesn't really like the fight himself. But then again, Joe Joyce is a guy that, you know, he's very much kind of like, you know, high risk, low reward. So at this stage of his career, who wants to lose to a guy who's only had four fights? I mean, is the money going to be big? I'm not quite sure. But if it did happen, that'd be a brilliant fight. Both guys certainly um, throw a lot of punches for heavyweights, for big guys. So um, I'd certainly love to see that one. So yeah, the listeners correctly predicted a Joyce knockout. So they went one point up there. And me and you are as incorrectly predicting a Joyce points win. Moving up the bill though, John Ryder moved to 26. Six wins. He's got four losses. It was a KO in the second round. He knocked out Jamie Cox, who is now 25-2. and two. Boy, oh boy. I'm going to come to you, Ayers, first here. Very, very pleased I am for John Ryder. I mean, what a brilliant win for him. Yes, um, a very very brilliant win for John Ryder. Um, a lot of people written John Ryder off. A lot of people were saying that, oh, yeah, John Ryder, I think he's finished. Obviously, like a lot of people written him off saying that, yeah, he's, I think he's done that. But he's improved a lot. And to be honest, like... Um, I can see him. I can see him fight for world title now. Obviously, John Ryder, he should be getting a lot of credit now. I mean, Jamie Cox is a very good fighter. Obviously, we see the fight. Um, he's come from a heavy knockout from George Close, and he's been beat again. But why don't you, John Ryder? Yeah, I remember you saying last week, Ayers, that it was a make-or-break fight for both men. But the fight itself, a very, very good first round for John Ryder. I was really impressed with the way that he came out in the first round. And in the second round, he seemed to catch Cox while he was on the ropes himself. And when he caught Cox on the forehead, it looked like it was his forehead. It didn't look like the, you know, like the temple, which is what I think the commentary team said. It looked like it hit him straight on the forehead. And we saw a delayed reaction. And then Cox's legs just betrayed him. And he went down and he stayed down to the count of about nine and a half, which of course is risky in any situation. And um, when he did get back up, it was about half a second too late. And the referee waved it off, and rightly so. But while Cox was down, he did nod to his corner almost to reassure them that he was fine. That's why it was really odd that he didn't get up in time. And I mean, I'm just really over the moon for John Ryder, though. Since he's moved up in weight, he seems to be a completely different fighter. And he also, after the fight, said that he was a distance fighter. He said that six and eight rounders were not for him. What a load of rubbish. The last two fights have ended before six, <laughs> before six rounds. And they've, you know, they've been the most important fights of his career. Not in terms of, of the belts, but obviously he's kind of had to fight for his career in the last, in the last two um, fights that he's had. Obviously he's fought for the British title on three occasions. But I'm talking about the actual importance of you know, the last two fights, they've really been for his career. And, you know, back-to-back back as well. He's had two fights that have been make-or-break fights back-to-back, back, and he's managed to break both of his opponents down early on as well. So I'm really, really, really pleased for John Ryder, another man that I will aim to try and get on the show, um, you know, sometime soon for sure. Moving up the bill once again, though, Martin J. Wald, 19-0 and with two draws, of course, relinquished the British title after winning it out outright and he took on James Tennyson a man that was ranked highly I believe with the WBA I think he was maybe number two in the WBA rankings well anyway James Tennyson 21 and 2 himself and this was another huge huge upset of last weekend um, the predictions though I went with a points win for Martin J. Waldeyers, and the listeners also went with a points win, but you guys went with a Wald knockout, which seemed like it was quite a 
decent decision when Ward had his man down in the second round from a body shot, but Ward himself was down twice in the fifth and final round, and I couldn't really believe what I'd seen. The fight itself, Ward, Ward certainly started very well. He was really sharp. He was very quick. He was using his movement well. He managed to drop Tennyson, like I say, in the second round. With what looked like a body shot initially, it was kind of hard to see the shot that hurt him, but I believe it was a body shot. Tennyson seemed to really go at Ward, though, in the next round. He seemed like he was kind of going for broke, really. And he really piled on the pressure, and I think the size difference seemed to play a part, because Tennyson was the much bigger guy. You know, he looked really big and strong, and he certainly looked like a heavy-handed fighter in there. But credit to Tennyson, because, you know, Martin J. Ward hit him with so many body shots. After he dropped him, he completely went and smashed the body and Tennyson come back from that it was a great show opener you know because it was the first fight on the telecast um you know and it was a great way to start the show but I'm completely gutted for Martin J Ward because you know he loses his O there he really does lose his O in brutal fashion and it was a real war and I think he I don't know it just didn't click together for him and Tennyson certainly you know he's in the mix now for some big fights he's the number two I think it's the number two with the WBA but I'm not sure that that might be a little bit kind of ahead of itself being number two with the WBA but he's the new European champion and he certainly has a lot of doors open for him there so yeah he's a great fighter and he you know he put in a great great performance and he certainly announced himself on the big stage there so he's now got the Commonwealth title the uh, the EBU European super featherweight title and of course he's you know, he had this he had this belt before the fight, but his WBA international super featherweight title. So quite a few little pieces of, of jewellery there. So all the very best to James Tennyson, now twenty-two and two. Martin J. Ward loses his O, oh, he's now nineteen and one with two draws. Moving up the bill once again, the final undercard fight to mention. Um Paul Butler versus Emmanuel Rodriguez. Um, you know, Butler, of course, missed the weight. It seemed very unprofessional from him. He was actually three pounds over the weight, which is a huge lot down at bantamweight. Um, You know, he got hit with a double left hook, which dropped him in the first round, Paul Butler. So a really bad start for him. But he did get back up, and he was dropped again. Even though it kind of half looked like a bit of a slip, a shot did land. So it was a big 10-7 round for Rodriguez in the very first round. But from Rodriguez, a man I hadn't really seen properly before, you know, he was very, very patient in his work. I honestly think that Butler looked really, really small for bantamweight. And, you know, to come in overweight was quite bad from him. But, yeah, Butler came out in round two and he fought a lot smarter. I think round three was more of the same, even though I think he probably lost round two and three. So, you know, the Puerto Rican man was really gaining quite a uh, quite a wide points you know, he's going towards a wide points win at the time. Um, and yeah, you know, he was he was just able to really pick Butler off, you know, throughout the fight. I think Butler was, was being beaten to the punch repeatedly. Butler just couldn't really get going. And Rodriguez just looked so relaxed in there. He wasn't rushing his work. He was enjoying his work. And the rest of the fight really just went the same. I think Rodriguez has certainly announced himself on the world scene once again. He's a very, very clever boxer, and he's only 25 years of age. He's the new world champion, of course, here. And he didn't even really need to up the gears at any point. He was just so comfortable in there. And, you know, he didn't run out of steam. He was just comfortable for the whole fight. It was like a man that had been around for a long, long time and a multi-world title fight veteran. He just looked so good in there. 
and he just cruised to a points decision in the end. He completely dominated an ex-world champion in Paul Butler, and I also predicted last week for Rodriguez to win on points. So I was happy about that. I was sad for Butler, of course. I would have liked to see him win. But a very, very classy performance by the new champion of the world, Emmanuel Rodriguez. He remains undefeated, 18-0. and 0. He's the IBF World Bantamweight Champion now. Um... But yeah, tough luck for Paul Butler now, 26-2. and two. Getting back to the predictions, though, I must say, I think we've missed one or two. I went with Ryder to win on points, so did you, Ayers. And the listeners actually went with Jamie Cox to win on points, which I knew wouldn't happen straight away. But, you know, Ryder, of course, knocked his man out, so no one gained a point there. Um, we, we talked about the Joe Joyce fight. Um, the Wald one we talked about as well. No one got that one right. No one expected Tennyson to win, let alone win the way he did. And Paul Butler, you went with him to win on points, Ayaz, and the listeners went with him to win on points. Like I say, I went with Rodriguez, so I picked up a point there. Um, and yeah, the main event on this bill, of course, let's just talk about the predictions while I'm on that. I went with a hay knockout, you went with Bell, you on points, Ayaz, and the listeners went with a hay knockout as well. We all believed hay once again. Um, we all got it wrong though. No one gained a point there. The fight itself, Ayaz, I'm going to come to you first, actually, before I break it down. What did you make of David Hay and Tony Bell, you? I think it was a very, I think it was a very good fight. Obviously, we thought... He was. He said in the press conference that he's going to box and move him. Yes, he was boxing and move him. However, he's a 37-year-old boxer. Okay, he was jabbing him. I can see. You, you can tell some of the punches that he was hurting, uh, punches that was hitting uh, Tony Bellew. Yes, it was hit him. It was hurting to Bellew. But obviously, we seen Bellew in the last in the first fight that he fought. When he was hitting him, Bellew was still taking. But Bellew counted him. Obviously, the reason that why he's lost the fight, I'll tell you what is. First of all, he's 37 years old. Okay, he's got a lot. He's had a lot of injuries in the past. And in my opinion, in that fight, I think he was injured while he was fighting. Obviously, if we saw the, if we saw the David Hay 10 years ago when he fought Anthony McAnally, it would have been a different fight. But once again, Tony Belly breaking down. And I, like I said, I personally thought it would be a points. I thought it would be a points because I thought David Hay would have boxed him. But like I said, his age caught him up. And I think it's time for him to retire now. Yeah. Um... I'm going to talk about the you know what what both men should do next Ayaz, in just a moment so get thinking about that but yeah I think the fight itself I mean there was a close the first two rounds I thought were quite close I don't think no one really was over committing at that point I think Hay was targeting the body with his jabs a lot which we don't really see from him too often um Hay did start to look a little bit tired in the second round which I thought you know, I just thought, oh boy, what's happening here? Um, if I didn't have to give a 10-10 round in the first or second, if I had to go with someone, I'd probably say they were both hay rounds, to be honest. Um, but yeah, he certainly looks slower than his old self, despite the mini video that we all saw of him sparring Malik Scott. Um, in round three, that was, of course, where the drama began. Hay ended up on the ropes and he walked into a right hand. He didn't seem too dazed, but he went down for sure. Um, you know, he didn't really seem too hurt, like I say, and he got back up and he was dropped again in that third round. Once again, he was just kind of walking into shots. He almost seemed like, I don't know, like something was missing from him. He didn't seem hurt, though, by any of this, you know, any of any of the shots that hit him. And then, of course, we saw David Hay um, have some kind of foot injury once again. No one, even to this point, I don't think, knows if it was an ankle injury or any kind of Achilles injury once again. But, you know, something was up with his right foot again. So um, we just couldn't believe it. I mean, no one... I mean, you can believe it because you just... 
you just never know what to expect from David Hay, unfortunately, at this part of his career. But that was where the injury occurred. I believe it was in the third round. And he came out in round four, David Hay. And what I will say, to his credit, I felt that he had quite a good round. I mean, he wasn't as injured as he was in the first fight, but he was able to make Bellew miss. And he actually looked okay on his feet in the fourth round. I mean, he was kind of like bouncing up and down when I don't think he needed to. I don't know if he was trying to G his ankle up or if he had actually somehow got over it it might have just been a little you know sometimes where your ankle kind of hurts for a few seconds like it's twisted but really five seconds later it's completely fine I didn't know if that was the case um but yeah in the in the fifth round of course David Hay came out and at that point it looked like um it was inevitable really that Tony Bellew would take over and Tony Bellew was able to drop David Hay in the fifth and when David Hay got back up the referee decided to wave it off I actually thought it was a little bit premature to be honest I as um I mean, I'm not taking nothing away from Bellew. I'm not really taking nothing away from Hay. But the fight didn't really seem to deliver like it did in the last fight. I think with the last fight, the build-up was, you know, very intense, very exciting. But the fight certainly was drama-filled, even if it, you know, it was a bit annoying with the injury, of course. And no one was really happy with the way it ended. But this fight seemed to have a really good build-up. But I don't think it really delivered. I don't think the fight lived up to the expectations. And we all... Um, aside from you guys, thought that David Hay would become victorious in this one. Tony Bellew was victorious, but it was by knockout rather than your predicted points win. So, I mean, did you think it was a bit a bit premature, Ayaz, the stoppage, or did you think it was right? What would you have done? Um, I think it was right personally. I think David Hay was personally gone. If you, if you, I think personally, I think his body just broke down once again. Like I said, he's got he's got an injury problem. This is not the David Hay that we've seen ten years ago. I remember watching when I went to one of David Hay's fights, which is in against Derek Chisora at Upton Park. That was a fit and healthy David Hay. Now, if that was that fit and healthy David Hay back then, he would have dominated Bellew completely. But obviously, this is a thirty-seven-year-old David Hay. This is not the old David Hay that we know. From the, the guy that's been beating up Enzo McInerney when he fought Nico Valio, beat him as well. This is a this is a thirty-seven-year-old David Hay whose body just completely broke down. Age is one thing. When you're when you're boxing, it obviously gets to you, and that's what happened to David Hay. If it went to six or seven runs, Hay would have got beaten up. But I think it was personally right for to, to stop the fight. Yeah, I mean, like I say, I give credit to Tony Bellew. I think that father time hits you hard in boxing. I think that Tony, you know. No no disrespect to Tony, but I think that he wouldn't have been able to hang with a prime David Hay. But sadly, this is Bellew's prime, really. He's looked so, you know, so good, you know, the last couple of years, Tony Bellew. This is pretty much his prime, and it's Hay's time. That's what I'd say. So I think Bellew um, did really well. But yeah, it's not, the, it's not the David Hay of old. And unfortunately, it kind of takes a little bit of the sort of sprinkles off the top of the cake because... He's not the same David Hay of old, and the win is not as big of a win, or, or you know, the plaudits aren't as, as big as what they would have been if it was a prime Hay, but David Hay gets stopped once again, and in my opinion, I think David Hay should retire now, I don't really think that he should fight on, but I'm not quite sure that he would want to retire like that. I don't know if he maybe will come back just to just to knock one more person out and then call it a day because he was saying in the build-up he just can't look at his record. You know, when he types in David Hay into Google and sees that his last fight he lost by knockout to Tony Bellew, that didn't sit right with him. And I believed him. I truly thought he'd win, but once again he lost and it was in 
you know, even less than half the time of the first fight. So, like I say, it didn't really deliver. And David Hay, I mean, is he now all of a sudden happy with the way that fight ended? Is he going to end his career on that one? Because it looks even worse than the first time. There's two L's in a row now for David Hay, which has never happened for him before. So I don't know what he's going to do next. So I went on Twitter anyway, and I asked our, you know, our Twitter followers, not what you want to happen, but what do you think David Hay will want to happen next? Will David Hay retire? Um, will he have one more fight just to go out on a win? What do you think David Hay will do? And the listeners went with, well, 84% of, of the people said they reckon he's going to retire. And 16% went with they reckon he will have one more fight. So it seems like the general consensus is that David Hay will probably call it a day. I didn't ask the listeners if they want David Hay to call it a day because I think that a lot of people including myself, I'm a huge David Hay fan, I think that that's the right thing to do for him. Um, but on the other hand, I, you know, I wanted to ask people, what should Tony Bellew do next? Should he retire, or should he fight on? If it's fight on, then I wanted people to leave their comments below as to who he should fight. Now, 44% of the people went with retire, and 56% went with fight on. So, Ayaz, I'm going to ask you quickly, what do you think Tony Bellew should do um, or certainly, what would you do if you were Tony Bellew at this point? Should he fight on again, or should he just retire on that? I want him one more fight, and the fight I like to see. I know uh, he said Andre Ward, but I tell you the fight I want to see: the winner of the World Boxing Super Series between Gassiev and Usyk, which I personally think Usyk will win. I would like to see Usyk versus Bellew. I think that'd be a cracker. Yeah, but Ayaz, do you give him a chance in that fight though? The way Bellew's going, you can probably uh, and but this is boxing. Anything happens. Usyk's a dangerous fight. We know that Bellew's a Bellew's Bellew's a fight that's improving, 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 which you can, which we know already. But I, that's a fight I'd like to see. If we thought Ward 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 would annihilate him, I mean, I think a lot of people would probably say the same that Usyk would probably do the same to him. But yeah, I mean, this is boxing. Anything can happen. And you know, I've 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 wrote Tony Bellew off a few times now, and I'm not going to do it again. I think he's certainly got a chance. If anyone's got a chance, he's got a chance with anyone. But anyway, some of the listeners, some of the uh, the followers on Twitter wrote underneath and gave their opinion. The people that went with Fight On, somebody on Twitter, this is from at the Duke seventy nine, said that he should fight on and he should fight Andre Ward. Like you said, I as you think that. Um, Andre Ward, well, I don't know if you said that you think it, but you certainly believe a lot of people out there think that Andre Ward would annihilate Tony Bellew, even though he's been out the ring for quite a while and hasn't fought at Cruiserweight yet. But yeah, an interesting one there from the Duke 79. Thank you for that. Um, The Boxing Madman sent in, perhaps he should fight Manuel Char for the WBA regular title. I think that's a fight he could perhaps win, Ayaz. What's your thoughts on that angle? Uh, Yes, that's a fight I think that could happen, but... Um, obviously, Manuel Char is not really a big name. He wants a big name, which is going to get him out. Now, yeah, but it's for the WBA regular title, isn't it? The, and again, know, it's a world title, I suppose. And again, how much money is he going to get paid for that? That kind of that kind of fight. Bellew is not a Sky Sports fighter no more. He's a box Sky Sports box office fighter. He wants the big money. Sure. He's coming to his. He's coming to the end of his career soon as well. So he wants a big fight. So obviously, the big fight that, in in my opinion, I'll tell you which which could be a big fight, and I can see that. I would like to see that. I wouldn't mind him versus Marius Bradis. I think that's a brilliant fight. I just don't see his future down at Cruiserweight, you know, because the money's not really there. I mean, this this World Boxing Super Series tournament came in with loads and loads of money, but I don't, I still don't think it's. I mean, I don't even know how they've really raised this money because I don't even think the marketing with it has really gone the way they thought it had. 
or, or thought it would go because um you know they i don't even think they nailed down a u.s broadcaster in the end for tv so it didn't make any of these european cruiserweights big you know in in america at all which i think was probably the ultimate goal so i don't really know if he's going to go back down there and you know i think they're all killers at that weight really i think he's probably got more chance like like this guy says here you know beating manuel char winning a wba regular title he can then turn around and say, "Yep, it's a you know it's a world title. I've won belts at cruiserweight and heavyweight. Not many people have done that. David Hay, of course, did do that, but um, that is quite a nice route. I like that one from the boxing madman, um, Lewis Shaw. That is at Lewis nineteen ninety nine Shaw says Dillian White. And I tell you what, guys, I've liked that fight for quite a while. Dillian White and Tony Bell, you talk to me. Yes, that's a very good fight. Obviously, that." <laughs> The press conference will be funny for that because obviously we've seen the we've seen Dillian and Tony Bailey going back and forth on Twitter. But then, but then again, Tony Bailey did say after the fight he doesn't want Dillian. He does yes, Dillian White is a good fight, but it's not a very big name fight for him to get up. Like I said, it'll be a good fight, but we'll see what happens when Tony Bailey makes it. But I personally think I think he'll retire. Okay, interesting, interesting. And finally, from at Ricey underscore SUFC, um, he says. I believe that Tony Bell, you might as well retire on a high. He loses to Gassiev, he loses to Usyk, he loses to Ward, and he loses to Fury. And I can't see any other name being much of interest um, or get him the money that, that he'll want. I think that's a valid point. I think, Ayers, that he probably should retire on a high. I don't think it gets better than this for him. Unless, like I say, the boxing madman talking about the WBA regular title, if that can be done, then I certainly give him a shot against Manuel Char. But up at heavyweight, you know, he's he's made it clear he doesn't want to fight Anthony Joshua. He doesn't want to fight Deontay Wilder. They're too big. But for some reason, Tyson Fury is not too big. I don't understand that one, even though he's he's massive. He's, he's six foot nine. Um... Obviously, Fury's now with, with with Frank Warren, so that fight will not be happening, no chance whatsoever. Um, that literally leaves a couple of guys, and it's Joseph Parker. I think Joseph Parker would, would definitely be the favourite there. And then there are the likes of Dillian White and you know the rest of the guys there that don't really have the name, Gerald Miller perhaps. So I think the big fight for Bellew really was the David Hay fights. I think they were, you know, they were jackpot fights for him and I don't think he should fight on. I think he's risking losing, which, you know, if he gets paid handsomely, then fair enough. But I don't really care about how much money he earns. I'm, I'd like him to do well. I'd like him to earn another 50 million. Who cares, you know? But um, I think if he cares about his legacy, this is the great time to retire. I think it doesn't get better than this, in my honest opinion. But anyway, leaving that bill there, a uh, great win for Tony Bell. You're once again very pleased for him. But leaving that bill there and moving over now to the StubHub Center in Carson, California, USA. Um, a couple of fights to mention on this bill here. Ryan Martin moved to 22-0. It was a unanimous decision over eight rounds against Breedis Prescott, the man that once upon a time knocked out Amir Khan. Um, they can't help but bring that up every time he steps in the ring. That was like the highlight of his career. Uh, also on the bill, Cecilia Baraka. She moved to 33-0. and oh, It was a unanimous decision over 10 two-minute rounds against Callie Reese. This one was for the IBF. WBA, IBO, WBC, and WBO World Female Welterweight titles. Bracus was actually down herself in round seven for the first time in her career, though, so she didn't have it all her own way. 
Um, it was an overhand right, by the way, the shot that actually put Breckus down. Um, it was it was a flash knockdown, to be completely honest. She didn't really seem badly hurt. And I think it was also the following round after that where Breckus got caught once again by a big overhand right. And it troubled her momentarily. But the bell rang. And what I did like about that is Jonathan Banks gave her some great, great advice in, in the corner going into the 10th and final round. He said to Cecilia, he goes... When this girl gets close, grab and hold. Let the referee do his job. Then when he breaks you up, use your movement. Because this girl's going to go for the knockout now. And it was 100% accurate. Because then, the camera switched to Reese's corner. Again, just a few seconds before the final round starts. And her corner were telling her to let her right hand go. They were saying, let your right hand go. So it was brilliant, brilliant instructions there from JB. And I'm pleased for him as well. Because, you know, him and his girl there, Bracus, got the win. So credit to her. She's the first lady of boxing, as they say and the pound for pound number one and the main event here of course Gennady Triple G Golovkin 38 and 0 now with one draw he took on Vainez Martirosian 36 and 3 with one draw he's now 36 and 4 with one draw and he was stopped for the very first time in his career um, we do have to say Martirosian hadn't been in a ring I think for almost two years so there is that to take into account he was also kind of moving up in weight as well um but they tried their best to get the best name opponent, I suppose, in the ring to not disappoint any of Triple G's paying fans that had already paid for flights and hotels. So credit to um, to Tom Loeffler's team and the rest of them for actually going ahead with the fight still, despite Canelo pulling out and really you know, messing up the plans there. Um, the TV figures were also released as well, and I think it was like the most viewed boxing show on HBO since 2016 or something like that, which was another Glovkin fight back then. So, yeah, credit to the team, man. They deserve it. But the fight itself here, I mean, Varnes had a decent first round, to be honest. I think he threw more shots. I think he was the quicker of the two, and I think he actually landed a couple of eye-catching shots on Golovkin that kind of woke him up a little bit. I think that if I had to give the first round to anyone, it was a close round, but I'd probably give it to Vainez, which I don't think the commentary team agreed with, but that's the way I saw it. In round two, though, Golovkin pinned Martirosian on the ropes and hit him with a big right hook, then a double jab, then an overhand right, then a straight right, almost it looked like a jab. Um, I think he went into southpaw stance and threw it as a jab kind of thing. Then he landed a big left hook. Then he landed another straight right hand. Then another left hook to the temple. And then a short right hook to the other temple on the way down. It was nine or ten unanswered punches from a man who hits like Golovkin. No wonder Vainez didn't beat the count. He went down. He looked like he was going to get back up. And then he went back down again. And after the fight, he said, I've never been hit like that. That man hits like a train. So um, a great win there for Golovkin. Very modest of himself in the post-fight interview, as per usual. Um, very respectable. The only name that they didn't mention, though, was Billy Joe Saunders' name. They named everyone else. Danny Jacobs, um, Charlo, all the rest of them. No one wanted to mention Billy Joe. And that is the fight that I believe the boxing world, especially the middleweight fans, are calling out for. Please make the fight happen, Tom Loeffler, if you're listening. But moving over now to the final bill to mention of last weekend this one happened at the sport palace in uzbekistan um one fight to mention over here i'm going to really try to pronounce this name properly but azizbek abdugoforov he fought for the vacant wbc silver super middleweight title against dmitry chudinov that's the guy that lost to eubank jr once upon a time very tough guy and it was a unanimous decision over 12 rounds in favor of abdugoforov 
Uh, I think that's how it's said. So Dmitry Chudinov, another loss for him. His record now 21-3 and with two draws. And the new WBC silver super middleweight champion, Azizbek Abdugufarov. So, um, yeah, the uh, the WBC there. So look out um, who's a champion with the WBC at super middleweight. It is the young guy that I can't think of. What's his name? I asked, help me out. Benavidez, David Benavidez. I always forget his name. He's been on the show a couple of times. But yeah, so all the very best there to Abdugafarov and um, Benavidez. Watch out because this man is coming. Um, just to quickly go back to the predictions before we bring in our first guest, Ayaz. Um I went with a Golovkin knockout, so did you, so did the listeners. So last week, I gained two points, the listeners gained two points, and you guys just gained the one last week out of six um, predictions. So that means that going on the Prediction League now, the listeners have climbed in front of you guys by one point. What do you have to say about that, my man? <laughs> oh, yes. I'll, I'll be there in front of them soon. <laughs> okay, just before we wrap up part one, there's one last thing to do. You know what that is. It's, of course, to welcome our very first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the current Commonwealth Cruiserweight champion, Mr. Luke the Duke Watkins. Luke, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure, my man. It's my pleasure. So, Luke, the fight has now been announced. You will defend your Commonwealth strap against Lawrence Ocoli on June 6th at York Hall. Um, Lawrence will also put his WBA Continental Cruiserweight title on the line. So, first things first, how did this fight come about and how simple or difficult was it to, you know, to make in the end? It seemed like it was a little bit of a delayed, uh, you know, kind of announcement. To be fair, it was pretty straightforward, pretty easy. Uh, we've seen each other a couple of times at your call shows. Um, we obviously, we spoke about fighting each other and the time was right. It just, it literally just happened like that. We, uh, we spoke to Lawrence. Lawrence said he wanted it. I said he wanted it. Um, the only person that we didn't speak to at the time was Eddie Hearn. Uh, he was away in America. He had a lot going on with the Danny Jacobs. So he was delayed in a bit just to agree everything, you know, we had to, check the contract, check everything was right, all the terms. Um, so we had to wait for him to get back from America. But once, as soon as he was back, he got in touch. We went back and forth. You know, we want this, we want that. They want this, we want that. And, and that was it. And it was done. Excellent, excellent. And what do we know about Lawrence Ocoli? Obviously, we all know about his Olympic efforts and, you know, the fact that when he turned pro, he was blowing away. Respectable journeyman, I suppose. But in his last fight, we really did learn, in my opinion anyway, that he's got a lot more to his game than just simply being a power puncher. Absolutely. He doesn't just blast people away. He is technically good. I don't think people have seen what is the best of Lawrence Ocoli yet. I believe on the fight, June 6th, myself v him, you will see the best of Lawrence Ocoli yet to date. And you're a man who I've seen at fights watching on. Um, it would appear that you like to keep your eye on all the cruiserweights, especially in Britain. Were you able to take anything away from Ocoli's fight with Chamberlain? If you were able to, I'm not going to ask you what it was, but were you able to spot any weaknesses in his game that fight at all? It's not just about looking at his weaknesses. It's about looking at his strengths. It's about looking at what he does well. And again, you are right. I did look at some flaws, but I'm sure he's gone back and looked at his own flaws and thought, right, I need to correct this. I need to correct this. Or, you know, this was working well and this was working well. So, yeah, you can always see things and flaws in fighters. Every fighter has flaws. 
And I'm liking what Lawrence Okoli's doing lately. Obviously, you know, his step up in class last time out, um, you know, the big fight with Isaac at the O2. You've also been fighting in front of lots of viewers on terrestrial TV. But would you recognize this fight as the biggest and perhaps the riskiest fight of your career thus far? Yeah, it is that. Um, for me, it's a step in the right direction of getting on to the, the bigger platforms. You know, we know Sky Sports is the home and the heart of British boxing. They have great shows. Everyone tunes into Sky Sports and everyone wants to be on Sky Sports fighting. And I want to be there as well. For Lawrence, I believe one thing I have to admire about Lawrence is he rolls the dice. He's willing to take risks and not fight journeyman. You know, I have to take my hat off and credit Lawrence for that. And I'm going to be honest with you, Luke. I have labelled you in the past as a bit of a slow starter, particularly in your last two fights. You seemed to start off quite slow and maybe even lose some of the early rounds, but you did, on both occasions, put your opponents away late on. And I don't know if you intentionally like to have a couple of feeling-out rounds or not, but Akoli would appear to be on a higher level than those guys. So my question is, can you afford to start slow against Lawrence Akoli? I don't think he's starting slow. Uh in what you're saying. I heard someone else make the same comment. I was just gauging, judging. Um, feeling out, the, basically. The, well, no, you could say feeling out, but <laughs> is understanding a man's distance and timing, you know, over a 12-round fight, I'm not going to cry over the first round. You know, I want to win the first round. Um you could let's go back to the Robin Dupree fight. He started quite fast. Yeah, he did. Yeah, you know he come out like he come out guns flying like boom straight out the gates out of the blocks. And I thought, all right, cool. Let me see what you're doing. Let me see where you're at. Um, Lawrence, I don't think he's gonna start that way. We have respect for each other as a fighter. Actually, do you know what? Forgive me. I don't know how Lawrence is gonna start. I take that comment back because he can start however he wants to start. Um, you may see it as me slow and uh, starting slow. Uh, I don't see it as that. So no further coming on that, I'm afraid. No, I mean, listen, it's, it's it's not a knock to your game. Like I say, you've done well in both of those fights. You've remained undefeated, of course, and um, they weren't really important rounds in the grand scheme of things. It's just, you know, it's just an angle on it. You mentioned there no, about... of course. You mentioned there about, you know, about 12-round fights. This will be your third 12-rounder, even though you've never actually needed to go the 12, of course. But Lawrence, this is his first 12-rounder. Who do you believe the 12-round suits best, if anybody? Um, well, Lawrence done the 10 comfortable. Yeah. I believe he could do the... Though. Yeah. I believe he could do the 12 comfortable. Um, can he do the 12 with me in front of him? We will find out. There's... Things in a man's brain, you know, psychologically, knowing something, having done it, and I've done it under the lights, you know, that stone has been turned for me. Lawrence is still yet to do that. That will be something in the back of his mind. Um, whether, he, whether he likes it or not, that will, will be on his mind. Oh, I haven't yet to do 12 rounds as a professional. But these are the steps that people take. And uh, he was always going to be taking this step into a 12-round fight, and it's, it's just good it's with me. And I know that you've not ducked anybody and you've wanted these big fights, but was Akoli 
at the top of your hit list, so to speak, or would you have preferred to try and get your hands on the British? Because obviously that looks beautiful next to the Commonwealth. Was he your main man, or you know, was there just a bunch of guys and he was just one of them, so to speak? Lawrence was one of them. Um, Matty Askins was another. And you know how this game works. Sometimes, even though two fighters want to fight, it, sometimes it just can't happen. And as a professional, I'm starting to learn these things and figure this out that sometimes it's not always as easy as just to make a fight. Let's take AJ and Wilder, for example, at the moment. They both want to fight, but it's just not as easy sometimes. But Lawrence was definitely on the list. Askins was on the list um, for different reasons. They both present different reasons for why I wanted to fight either one of them. Um, and it was just Lawrence was happy and I was happy and it was easier to get made. Yeah, and credit to you both for taking the fight at this stage. It's still relatively early on in both of your careers. Um, I actually remember you, uh, remember you, Luke, being a part of George Groves' team. I remember this light-skinned guy with shorter hair than what we see uh, these days <laughs> on top of your head. And I do remember the big beard. And then all of a sudden, you turn pro. I don't think you were, you were pro at the time. And I saw you boxing once, and I was like, hang on a minute, that's that guy. I don't even think I knew that you were a boxer at the time. But that's for the right. early for the early part of your career, you know, Obviously, you were you were managed by George Groves. What was that like? Yeah, that's cool. Um, George did the job on paper. Paddy was pulling the strings behind closed doors. Uh, but being Paddy working with George gave me access to different things that I may not have had as easy access to because George had access to. So it was good. It was I enjoyed being around him. I get to go to the big shows. I got to see what it was really about and what I was really in for. Um, just on that I remember about three years ago I went to Sky Sports Studio with George maybe three or four years ago I can't remember exactly how long ago um, and I was there with him for the day and I spent a day with him just watching him just learning how things get done and what, what you get up to because these are the things as a young professional you want to know you want to know oh, that's what they're doing and I had the privilege today to go to Sky Sports for myself and do all that again but for myself Brilliant, man, brilliant. And I know that you've also travelled for good sparring on many occasions. I know that you've been out to Poland and sparred a couple of former champions out there, including um, Christoph Glowacki. I know that you've sparred Tony Bellew. I know that you've sparred Frank Buglioni. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Who are some of the other names that you've sparred over the years, and who was the best fighter that you'd ever sparred, Luke? Um, I don't want to say the best fighter, but reason being they all present themselves with great attributes themselves. You know, and that's stylistically, that's why there's so many good fights out there. Um, but a couple of other names, Tyson Fury, Huey mm -hmm. Fury, um, Enzo McManelli, uh, Christoph Vladicek. He was in the World Boxing Super Series when I was in Poland, sparring with Christoph Glavatsky. Uh, they're in the same gym, so I had the privilege to spar with him. Um, Michael Sprott back in the day, Nathan Cleverly. You know, it's a good guys. I've been very fortunate to spar with some good guys. And this was a question I almost um, was going to forget to ask you, to be honest. If if we do see an announcement soon, the uh, the two men that deserve to certainly be in the World Boxing Super Series final, the cruiserweight division, Usyk versus Gassiev, who do you favour in that showdown? Usyk. I Usyk. pick Usyk. Yeah, I like his style to beat Gassiev. I think Gassiev is great. Uh, in that fight, I pick Usyk's style to beat Gassiev, but I really do prefer the fighting style of Gassiev. 
credit to both yeah. guys once again. Uh, you know, it's a fight where I wouldn't be surprised of any outcome, to be honest. I think they've they've both proved No, do you know show. what? I agree with you. I completely agree with you on that. Yeah. And finally, the uh, the final real question I've got for you, Luke, um, should you choose to divulge it, do you have any kind of prediction of how, you know, how on June the 6th, on that Wednesday night in York Hall, you will have your hand raised against Lawrence Ocoli? In fashion. I will win in fashion. Can I, can I poke you a little bit to say... Nah, no, I'll, I'll or... just leave it as I'll win in fashion. In fashion. I like that. I like that. And finally, Luke, just before I let you go, what is your message to any of your fans that may be listening to this? What's up, guys? Thank you for following me and uh, watching my journey and my progress. I really appreciate the support I get and the love I receive over social media. Um, just keep on watching, keep on supporting. I appreciate you all very much. Thank you to my sponsors and people that have always purchased tickets along the way. You know, we are coming into the bigger and better fights and these are the places and the place I want to go for you people to see me. So thank you ever so much. Very well said. All right, listen, Luke, it's been my pleasure, my friend, speaking with you this week. Thank you for your time. Best of luck for June 6th, and we'll catch up sometime after, I'm sure. Thank you ever so much for your time. I appreciate the call. Take care. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part. Ayaz, what have you got for us? So today's biggest news is that the World Boxing Super Series will have a bantamweight division. So far, three fighters have been announced. Ryan Burnett, Emmanuel Rodriguez, and Zolani Tete. Yeah, um, obviously there's you know there's going to be eight men in this tournament. I am kind of scratching my head at who the other guys are going to be. They're talking about Jamie McDonald. They're talking about Inoue. Those guys are fighting each other on May 25th. So I think depending on you know who wins and how they win, they'll probably be in it. But I don't you know I don't think the loser's going to be in it. But people are talking about those two, which I just find kind of weird. Because imagine, I mean, I really hope this doesn't happen. But imagine Inoue knocks Jamie McDonald out in a round. You know, are people going to want Jamie McDonald to be in that? Should he probably move up to super bantamweight if that did happen? Yes, I think so. So I don't think the loser is going to be in that tournament, to be honest. So that is just one other name which will make four. But anyway, I like what they're doing. They've got the, the you know, the WBA super champ. They've got the uh, the WBO champ. And of course, they've got the newly crowned um, IBF champ, Emmanuel Rodriguez, like we mentioned earlier in part one, completely easily beat Paul Butler. You know, what a, what a fantastic seven days he's had. He's come over to the UK, done a right job on a former world champion, picked up a belt, even though the guy didn't make weight, picked up a, picked up a belt, and now he's signed up for this multi-million pound tournament. So unbelievable how he's just gone from like zero to hero kind of thing. Um, credit to him. But yeah, big news. I'm looking forward to it, Ayaz. I'm happy that Burnett's in it. I'm happy that um, Zolani Tete's in it. I just really pray to God that those two end up fighting each other at some point. I just <laughs> I just would love to see that happen. Obviously, Frank Warren and Eddie Hearn. They'd have to both go there as well. Could you imagine them both in the same ring, at, like in their fighter's corner? <laughs> oh, man. I, I really hope it happens. So um, that'd be beautiful. But yeah, what else you got for us? Uh, Kovalev will defend his WBO uh, heavyweight tie against Alida Alvarez on August the 4th. Yes, um, that's a that's a good fight there. You know, Alida Alvarez has been, I believe, the mandatory for the WBC title against Adonis Stevenson for a long, long time. And Stevenson, I think, keeps paying him step-aside money. So 
I don't know what's going on there, but he's decided to go another route. He's now taking on Kovalev. And if Kovalev does a great job on him, which, by the way, he's a really good fighter, so it's no given, that fight there. But if he does a real good job on him, then that is certainly a big statement in the light heavyweight division. So I'm looking forward to that one, and I give Kovalev credit for taking that fight. He's now going to be fighting a man that he looked like Adonis Stevenson wanted to avoid. Nicola Adams will face former three-time world title challenger Soledad Valfrias on May 19th. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously these big fights need to happen and happen quite quickly for Nicola Adams. I'm a fan of her, like I've said many, many times. And, you know, I'm happy that she's fighting someone who's fought at world level before. So hopefully she can do a great job on, on that girl there and, you know, do something that some of the champions couldn't do. Nathan Gorman will fight Sean Turner. Yes, um, Nathan Gorman, obviously, you know, the Ricky Hatton fighter, he's he's signed with Frank Warren and he's going to be fighting on Tyson Fury's comeback, you know, his comeback undercard on June the 9th. He's going to be taking on big, sexy Sean Turner, so that's a fantastic fight there. Um, Nathan Gorman, 12-0 and with 10 knockouts. Sean Turner, 12-2 and with 8 knockouts. He's two losses, especially the, the most recent one, against real good opposition, and he certainly comes to give it a go. So that one, I'm really expecting fireworks for. Daniel Dubois will face Tom, um, Tom Little for the English uh, heavyweight title on June 23rd. Yeah, that one's going to be at the O2. That's going to be on Billy Joe Saunders' undercard. That, again, is another great fight. I think Tom Little and Big Sexy Sean Turner, they're both kind of like, I want to kind of say in the same boat. I've always kind of got them, got them confused a little bit over the years. They're like... I mean, it's probably doing a disservice, really, to to big, sexy Sean Turner. I think he's probably the better of the two fighters. But, yeah, it's... Um, it's, 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 it's good that they're both getting big fights, to be honest, because they have proved time and time again that they'll fight anybody. And they can talk really well as well. So, they, they you know, they're quite good in terms of self-promotion. So hopefully we see some, you know, some good back and forth on social media and at the press conferences. And hopefully the fights play out to be quite good because we know these opponents rather than some of the guys that have fought these two guys recently in Dubois and Gorman. So, yeah, I like those two fights there. Um, also on that same night, Ayaz, we're going to see O'Hara Davies take on Josh Lever, which I think is another brilliant, brilliant fight. Um, Josh Lever, we've seen, um, you know, in a, in a real war against Glenn Foote, where he came through that one. A real, real war that fight was. Josh Lever, 13-0 and with six knockouts. O'Hara Davies, 16-1 and with 13 knockouts. I believe that's a brilliant, brilliant fight. I'm happy because O'Hara Davies is getting thrown straight into a big test fight in his first fight with Frank Warren. I think it's his first fight. I think he might be... Oh, sorry, he's fighting, I think, um, either this weekend... Or the following weekend. I think it's the following weekend at Leeds. I think he's on a bill there. Um, you know, I think he's on the Warrington Selby bill just in like a keep busy fight. But yeah, I mean, I'm happy about that. Straight away, you know, not his first fight, but literally within within a few weeks of his first fight, he's fighting in a real test with Frank Warren. So it seems like Frank Warren's not going to mess around with him. That's it for the news. Okay, thank you very much, Ayaz. Moving over now to 
the preview part of the show, we're going to start at the Sam's Town Hotel and Gambling Hall in Las Vegas, Nevada. A couple fights to mention over here. Andrew Tabiti, 15-0, takes on Latif Coyote, 21-2 in the 10-round fight. That's going to be really, really good. This is a Mayweather Promotions card. It's going to be shown on Bounce TV in the US. But the main event here, two friends of the shows that were both on. One was on last week and the other one was on the week before. In one corner, Tony Harrison, 26-2. He takes on Ishay Smith in a 10-rounder, 29-9 Ishay Smith. Um... You know, a fight there where obviously we've been really interested in both guys. They're they're two friends of the show now. Ishe's been on a couple times. Tony Harrison was on last week for the first time. It's certainly a crossroads fight because both men are at different parts of their careers. Um, Tony Harrison looking to get another shot at a title. Same for Ishe Smith, a former title holder himself. All the very best to both men there. Um... You know, Leonard Ellaby was quote tweeting a lot of our tweets about the fight and stuff like that, very firmly backing his man Ishe Smith, so I'm really quite amped up for that one. Moving over now though to the twenty three hundred arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. One or two fights to mention over here. Friend of the show once again, Henry Lundy, twenty nine and six with one draw. He's in a eight round fight against an opponent that is yet to be confirmed. Also on this bill here, Devin Haney, eighteen and O, fights for the US. SBA lightweight title against Mason Menard, 33-2. That's another big step up for Devin Haney, the man that they're all talking about in the States. Uh, That one's going to be shown on Showtime as well. Um, Moving over now to Germany, Avni Yildirim, 18-1, takes on Ryan Ford, 14-2. Ryan Ford, he's again the guy that was supposed to take on Anthony Yard, but he did end up taking on, I think it was Fedor Chudinov, not Dimitri, and he lost last time out to him, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's also coming off of two losses in a row now, and he's taken on Avni Yildirim in Germany. That one's for the WBC International Super Middleweight title. Avni Yildirim, a man that, of course, had his O taken in the first round of the World Boxing Super Series against Chris Eubank Jr. Um, That's a 12-round contest there. Moving over now to Latvia, though. A bill over here where we have to mention a main event fight in fact, I'm going to start with the undercard here. Our own UK's finest, Lufa Clay. I really like that name, Lufa Clay. I think he follows us on Twitter. Um, a great name. I really like I know. that name, to be honest. Oh, you know him? Yes. Yeah, well, he's on the bill. He's in an eight-rounder against Jean-Pierre Habimana. Nine and 12 with three draws. Lufa Clay, seven and one. Is he local to you, then? Um, I know him, but he, he, I wrote him on Facebook. and I've interviewed him before as part of, as part of my paper. Oh, okay. For those that may not know, Ayaz, um, Ayaz by day works for a newspaper. Um, we'll give a little plug there to the Echo. Um, also on this bill, Arta Akovov. That's the man that we saw challenge Billy Joe Saunders for his title, and it was a real close fight. Well, anyway, Akovov, 18-2, and two, takes on Gonzalo Correa, 12-1. and one. It's for the vacant WBO international middleweight title. So Akovov still trying to climb those WBO rankings for a rematch. But the main event here, Ishmael Iliev, 10-0 with one draw, fights for the vacant Eurasian Boxing Parliament super welterweight title and the vacant WBO international super welterweight title against Konstantin Ponomarev who has a record of 33 and 0 I believe he's from the Ukraine he's a guy that really needs to step it up because he's actually supposed to be a brilliant fighter 
and he's almost got one of the longest undefeated streaks in boxing, but he just hasn't fought many names. But that one is a Al Siesta Promotions card in Latvia at the Arena Riga. Moving over now to Poland, Krzysztof Glowacki, 29-1, takes on Santanda Silgado, 28-4. Um, that one will be a 10-round contest there. Former WBO world champion Glowacki, a good fighter he was um, until he lost to uh, to Alexander Usyk in a great, great fight. Moving over now to the Bolton Whites Hotel in Bolton, Lancashire, United Kingdom. This is a Hennessy sports card. It's going to be shown on Channel 5 this Saturday. Um, what do we have here? What do we have here? Um... Yusuf Safa, 7-0. and He's a guy that's been with Hennessy, I think, since his pro debut, but he's been dangerously inactive. I think he's from, um, from South London somewhere, if I'm not mistaken, or from Kent. He's definitely from the South. Um, and yeah, he has just been really, really inactive, and he's actually a good fighter. I'd like to see him get more exposure, if you like. I've seen him a couple times, you know, fight live and stuff, but, it, you know, his career's just been such a such a slow one he's been so inactive I think he's been a pro for like four or five years and he's only had seven fights so I'm not really too pleased about that but also on this bill Savannah Marshall 1-0 and her opponent yet to be announced she's actually having eight three minute rounds in her fight there so I'm happy to see her do the three minutes she's now with um, with Peter Fury remember she was signed by Floyd Mayweather she made her debut on Floyd Mayweather against Conor McGregor on the undercard there I'm not sure if she She's still with Floyd as a promoter, but she's being trained now by Peter Fury, and she's on this bill here in Bolton. Um, also on the bill, Reese Cartwright, 20-1 and with his IBF youth middleweight title. His opponent yet to be announced. That's a 10-rounder there. Peter McDonough gets back in the ring. He was suspended for a while. I think the ban was lifted. His record 28-28 and with one draw. His opponent yet to be announced. That's a 10-rounder there. Sam Sexton, 24-3, and puts his British heavyweight title on the line against Huey Fury. Fury 20-1, a 12-round contest there, Ayaz, and that is one that we've gone on Twitter and asked the listeners about, so I'm going to ask you as well. Sam Sexton defending his British heavyweight title, Huey Fury coming off that loss, the very controversial loss to Joseph Parker a few months back now, though. Who do you favour in that one, and how does the man you favour win? Um, I'm going to, in my opinion, I'm going to go for Huey Fury wins on points. Okay, the listeners have gone with a, let me just get this right, a, a Fury Points win as well. Do you know what? I'm really trying to I'm trying to go against both of you because I need to try and get my points up. Um, Sam Sexton, though, I haven't seen him fight for quite a while now. I mean, obviously, Huey Fury is still on the up, if you like. Sam Sexton... I mean, of his three losses, he's been knocked out all three times. Once by David Price back in 2012, once by Derek Chisora back in 2010, and once again by Derek Chisora back in 2008. So for me, I'm going to go with a Huey Fury knockout. I'm going to go against the grain and try and get, get a point there. So yeah, Fury on points for you, Fury on points for the listeners. Moving over now, though, to the Madison Square Garden in New York, New York, USA. This one is going to be shown on ESPN in the States. It's also going to be shown on Box Nation here in the UK. It's for the WBA World Lightweight title. The champion, Jorge Linares, 44-3, takes on Vassal Lomachenko, moving up in weight, 
10 and 1 Lomachenko has four I think it's four of his last um, four opponents have all quit on their stall, if I'm not mistaken. What a fight this is going to be. Talk to me about the fight, but also tell me who you believe is going to win and how. Oh, I think this is this is a fight that I think is going to be, yeah? It's a super fight. It's a super fight, a brilliant fight. And I think with Linares, I don't know who he's training with. That's the thing. Neither do I. As he doesn't have Ismail Salas in his tra- coach, as his coach anymore. It's going to be a very tricky fight for Lin- Lin- uh, for Linares. I personally think Lomachenko is going to toy him around, and I think Lomachenko is going to win by points. I think Lomachenko, in my opinion, is a powerful pound, number one. Well, the listeners have also gone with a points win for Lomachenko. Um, Linares, I mean, he's lost three times. Every time he's lost, it's been by stoppage. The only thing that I'm unsure about is the fact that Lomachenko obviously hasn't fought at lightweight yet. And Linares, he's not, you know, he's not the kind of guy that's going to stand and trade with you. He's very good with his movement as well. And he's also been looking really good. I've seen a couple of his, his, you know, his training videos. He always looks really good when he's training, to be honest. It's nothing new from him. But um, this is going to be... Is this his third weight class, um, Lomachenko, if he wins? Or is it his fourth one? I'm losing count now. He won the um, he won the featherweight title, didn't he, against Gary Russell Jr. And then he fought... Who did he fight? It was Roman Martinez for the super featherweight. And this one is the... Yeah, the lightweight, isn't it? Yeah, so this is his third... Um, his, 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 his third weight class, so hoping to get a third title in, a, in in three weight classes in you know inside twelve fights. That's just insane, man. Um, just purely to go against you both, I'm gonna go with a Lomachenko win by knockout, but I'm not that confident of it, and I may be kicking myself because my heart tells me that, well, my head I think tells me that um, that Lomachenko won't be able to stop Linares, but. I just need to try and gather some points together. So I'm going to go against the grain once again there and go with a Lomachenko knockout. Um, what I will say is it was the second most popular choice, a Lomachenko knockout. 30% going with that, 40% going with Lomachenko on points. So it's still relatively close. So I'm a little bit confident now. So um, hopefully for me, Lomachenko gets that one on points. But it's just an absolute um, super, super fight. It really is. I just want to see it really getting the recognition that it deserves because it's gone under the radar because both men don't really speak English or anything. So they're not the most marketable household names over here. So it's a bit of a shame. But it is truly one of the fights of 2018, undoubtedly. And also on the undercard there, I should mention, friend of the show, um, Jamel Herring. He was, of course, um, on the show a few weeks ago. Um, talking about his fight. So he's on that one. It's his first fight with top rank. I'm really pleased for him. Is there anything else on that on that undercard? Um, yeah, I should say Jamel Herring's taken on Juan Pablo Sanchez. We spoke about that fight. That's an eight-rounder there. Also, Michael Conlon in his seventh pro outing. He's in an eight-rounder against Ibon Larinaga, who's 10-1. Um, yeah, that's about it for that one. Moving over now to the Turning Stone Resort and Casino. This one's going to be shown on HBO in New York. I don't think it's going to be getting shown in the UK. Two fights to mention on this bill. Ray Vargas, 31-0, defends his WBC World Super Bantamweight title against Azat Hovanassian, 14-2. Um, Ray Vargas, as we were very impressed when he 
you know, when he came over here and took on Gavin McDonnell. He's a real big, big, big guy for the super bantamweight division. He really is. I don't know how he makes the weight. Um, he's a great boxer. He's also shown us, you know, a lot of power and stuff like that. But his opponent here, I'm not too pleased with, to be honest with you. You know, his record doesn't look great, I suppose, 14-2. and two. He has had tough opposition, though, and... His, his two losses were quite controversial. One was on his pro debut and one was a majority decision over six rounds. He got dropped in that fight um, and that was, you know, that, that made the difference there. But um, aside from that, I mean, he's put on an unbeaten streak really since July of 2015. He's fought some good names along the way, but nothing on this level. So, you know, all the best to him, but I think Ray Vargas will comfortably beat him. And the main event here, Saddam Ali, 26-1, and puts his WBO World Super Waterweight title on the line. It was supposed to be Liam Smith in the other corner, but of course an illness saw him pull out, and he's been replaced by Jamie Munguia, who is 28-0. I think that's how he said, Jamie Mungua. 28-0 with 24 knockouts, but relatively unknown. This is, of course, Saddam Ali's first defense of the title since winning it from Miguel Cotto in a huge, huge upset. Um, Ayaz, what's your thoughts on that fight, Saddam Ali? I know we don't know too much about his opponent, but you happy to see him out again? And how do you think he wins? I think we went to the predictions on this, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we did. The listeners have gone with Saddam Ali on points. I don't know much about his opponents, but if I'm going to go, I'm going to go Saddam Ali in points. Yeah, I think that's probably the safe bet. Um, I am not going to be too courageous and go against you both here. I think Saddam Ali probably wins it on points. Um, yeah, I think I think so. I mean, it's, it's one of those fights where this guy may be a really good fighter. He's only 21. Obviously, like I say, he can punch a bit. He's a Mexican fighter, but the level of... You know, the level opponent hasn't been that bad, to be honest. A couple of his last fights, he's, you know, he's been knocking people out where he probably shouldn't have been able to get the knockout. He's coming off of five straight knockouts all within three rounds. So I suppose that sounds quite good. But like I say, no one on Saddam Ali's level. So I'm going to go with Saddam Ali. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he stopped this guy because it's this guy's biggest fight. But yeah, Saddam Ali is certainly the favourite in that one. And that really wraps up the preview. And I didn't realise that that was the last the, the last fight to mention there. So that wraps up the preview. And, um, just before we wrap up part two, there is, of course, one last thing to do. Once again, I'm sure you know what that is. It's to bring in our second and final guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the WBO lightweight champion of the world, Mr. Raimundo Beltran. Ray, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, how you doing? Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. Hey, it's my pleasure, my friend. I'm very well. So, Ray, obviously, it's the first time that you've been on this show. I'd like to go back to um, a couple of your previous attempts at a world title, most notably that night in Glasgow back in September 2013. For those that may not remember, um, Ray, of course, challenged Ricky Burns for the WBO title, managed to break Ricky Burns' jaw in, I believe, the second round. And in many people's eyes, Beltran certainly deserved the decision that night, but to everybody's surprise, it ended in a split draw. Even some of Ricky Burns' biggest fans didn't agree with that outcome. But tell us, Ray, what do you remember most about that night back in 2013? Well, you know, uh, it was a, it was kind of kind of kind of a painful night, but at the same time, it was a. I think it, it kind of helped me, you know. To I think I gained more fans, even getting a draw from than just winning, you know. Because um, I think the, the fans saw that it wasn't fair. You know, everybody talk about it. It makes my name even bigger. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, certainly, certainly. 
Um, but no, it was a good fight. So you'd say that was probably like a bit of a learning fight, do you want to say? Yeah, it was a learning fight, you know. Um, uh, I think it was also a, a good, uh, um, like, like a good introduction for me to the to the boxing world and the in the world uh, in the world class level. You know what I mean? Yeah. So sure. you've made a statement that you know what I belong here, and even before I, I was just like an opponent, you know. Yeah. Then I prove myself, you know, that I I belong in that world class level, you know. Yeah, you certainly did prove yourself. And of course, once again, um, you know, after the bizarre draw, you tried to chase the WBO belt again. But at that point, Terence Crawford held the title after pretty much wiping the floor with Ricky Burns in Glasgow. Crawford, of course, took the belt back to Omaha, Nebraska. And that's exactly where you had to visit to make your second attempt at the world title. What do you remember from that one, Ray? Terence, of course, being one of the top fighters in the world today. Well, you know... um, it was a very uh, difficult fight. I think the crowd was very, very smart fighter, you know what I mean? Uh, it was a good experience, you know. I, I didn't feel like I was lost, you know, when you feel like you completely dominated. I felt more like like it was a step ahead of me. A step ahead of me, I was like close, close, but at the same time, it was, it was just, it did use enough, you know, to, to win the rounds, you know. I mean, not, not, not use enough. He, he, he dominated me good, but I'm saying like, I felt like he was just a step ahead of me, not like, you, I didn't feel lost, you know. I miss him for it by this little, this little bit, you know, from the good chat, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, no, a phenomenal fighter he's turned out to be. And obviously, the following year, your third attempt at a world title, once again the WBO title. This was your 2015 shot after the loss in 2014 and the crazy draw in 2013. This time it was against Takahiro Ao. Um, you unfortunately missed the weight by just half a pound, meaning that the title was only on the line for Takahiro. Um, you managed to win, though, by a TKO in round two, but that decision was later overturned due to a doping violation. Now, I must be honest, Ray, I have no idea what actually happened in that case, because in the UK, there wasn't too much talk about it at the time. But please explain to us what actually, you know, what actually went wrong there from missing the weight and then, of course, fouling um, some kind of doping test. You know what? Um, I did. I uh, went to a um, to a very hard training camp. You know what I mean? Uh, my coach that I had back then. You know, we we trained like two. Like I think we did like a we did like too hard. You know what I mean? And weights and stuff like that. And I gained muscle. I gained muscle. Muscle is way heavier. You know than the fat. And uh, I was having a hard time to lose weight. So and I think the thing about the doping, I have a had a. A nutritionist that I worked with for like eight years, you know. So, you know, uh, he gave me this uh, supplement supposed to help me lose weight, which I didn't know what it was, you know. I'm, I'm being honest, you know what I mean? I didn't know what I was taking. I just trusted me because I was with him for like four years already. And I just did whatever he told me to do and and never thought it was going to be in a, uh, like a steroid, you know what I mean? Um, and that that's what happened, you know. Instead of, in, I I I use I use it to lose weight, not to for 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 performance. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, of course. But yeah. uh, um, I didn't even make weight either, in any ways, you know. So after, uh, I got a call, you know, from the Nevada Commission that I was I was uh, I needed an attorney, you know, because I came up uh, positive on steroids. I'm like, what, you know? So then I did my research and I didn't know I asked what I was using and what I was taking. It was just completely stupid uh, 
from him to give me that because then I realized what it was and, and how that works and, and what it does, you know. So, like I tell you, uh, if I knew what it was before, you know, before uh, I use it, I, I wouldn't even use it because it, it was just stupid, you know. The way I use it, the way he gave it to me, it was just dumb, you know. That that substance, what I read, it, it, it lasts like two months in your body, you know. It lasts like, it lasts two years in your body, I mean, two months in your body. And then when I took it, I started to, I took it like a month before the fight to lose weight. So, you know, it was just so stupid. You know, I didn't know what it was. Like I said, uh, you as a boxer, you, you, uh, as a boxer, you, uh, uh, you hire your nutritionist, you hire your manager, you hire your trainers. So you trust them, you know, that way you have your team, you trust them what they do, you know. So that was my, my responsibility and my, my problem, you know, that, uh, my mistake was that I trust in what he was doing and I didn't. I just believe him, you know, and I didn't think he was he was something wrong, and and I get in trouble, you know what I mean. But one day I told everybody what he wasn't uh, conscious, and I didn't do it in a, in a conscious way. I didn't. I, I, he, he wasn't about a uh, uh, intentions. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, no, completely. I mean, we see this time and time again where, you know, boxers will will take something without really even researching because there's so many different things on the list that you're not allowed that I think even if you asked any boxer, what are you not allowed? They they don't know off the top of their head. They've got to go and check. And if you've got somebody in place to do this for you and they don't do their job, then, you know, you suffer, of course, but it's not really your fault. I know, uh, you know, it's, it's, quite a, it's quite a bad thing. But, yeah, leaving that in the past anyway... Um, at this point, obviously, you know, you had a world title shot in 2013, 2014, and 2015. All three times you came out of the fight without the belt. At this point, you were 33, I think almost 34 after after that fight there against Takahiro. And I want to ask you, Ray, after that third world title fight not ending well for you, did you perhaps think at that point that maybe you'd missed your opportunity to become a world champion? Well, you know, it went through my head, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. It went through my head a lot, you know, and I didn't was what was going to happen. But, but as long as I knew that as long as I could, I could fight, all I had to do is keep winning, you know, and, and that would take me to a world title game, you know. I, I just couldn't give up before, before time, you know what I mean? Yeah. I just couldn't let my, my mind just like, uh, um, just uh, put limits on my, on my head, you know, like, you know what? I can still fight, and as long as I know I can, I can still compete, and I can. I knew I can beat some of the world champions. I gotta keep fighting, you know. Yeah, your your motivation certainly didn't go, and in the period after that fight, there obviously. Um, after the Takahiro fight, you you know you put together a nice string of victories, most of them by big knockouts, but more importantly, you you know you encountered some trouble outside of the ring in terms of your citizenship and your likeliness of being granted a green card. I believe. How did that situation come around, Ray? Well, you know what? Um, because I've been here with a with a visa, you know, with a working visa. And I've been here for a lot of years, you know, and and it's very important for me to get my green card, you know, because my family is here, my kids are born here, my, I mean, you know, I got all my my life here in the United States. So I've been also fighting because I need to get my uh, my my green card, you know. That was that's the hope, you know, for me and my family. And fighting was uh, to keep winning, keep winning is it just get me, you know. 
is allow me to prove that they, uh, to the uh, to the federal you know government that that I'm actually an uh, athlete you know so now that we won the title that approves that you know what I mean it completely approve that we got a uh, extraordinary, extraordinary uh, abilities so and we did it you know so we now we're just still in the process we are working on it and hopefully we get it soon yeah i hope so as well but i don't really exactly understand how the immigration process um works in you know in america but on the tv in the uk whenever i'm watching you fight the commentators over here they say uh, they've said it more more than one time now that that you've literally been fighting for your citizenship and you know is it actually true and if so how can how can the outcome of a fight determine your right to remain in the united states it sounds crazy <laughs> yeah it is true because uh like i said the government i need to keep winning winning and winning to prove them that i'm uh, uh, not with a uh, extraordinary extraordinary uh, abilities it, it doesn't take you to be a boxer no you have to be a stay on top of the game you know for a uh, minimum uh, um, uh, amount of time for them, you know what I mean? I gotta stay on the top, you know, for for a certain amount of time, you know. It's not just like fight for a world title and then go back down for them. It, it it doesn't it doesn't count. You gotta stay on top of it, you know, for for a certain amount of years, you know. Wow, that's so, crazy, man. Yeah, so so they can so they really uh they see me uh so they can approve me, you know. Yeah, that just it just sounds so crazy because whenever they say it, you know, whenever the commentators say it, um, you fight really well. Every time when when you know your 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 green card, if you like, has been on the line, you fight excellently well. It's it's great motivation in some ways, but um, yeah, getting you know getting back to what's happening with you now, it finally happened, Ray, February sixteenth, twenty eighteen, once again for the WBO. Lightweight world title in the other corner was Paulus Moses, a former two-time world champion. No, was it two-time or one-time world champion? I think one-time world champion. Um, I think he was one time. Yeah, I think he was a one-time world champion. But he was a very experienced guy. He was tough, but you were able to unanimously beat him over 12 rounds and finally achieve your boyhood dream. How good did it feel finally you know, to get your hands on a world title? And tell us how the fight went in your own words, Ray. Well, you know what? All I can tell you uh, is a dream come true. You know, almost, almost uh, accomplished all my dreams. You know, to this point in my life, you know, uh, everything that I want in life, you know, it's almost, it's almost done. You know, um, I wanted to be a world champion. I'm a world champion. You know, I wanted to buy a nice house for my family. Uh, now I wanted to get a green card. You know, we're still in the process. You know, we haven't got it yet, but everything's looking good. You know, whatever we get from now, from now to you know, whatever we can from now on on, it's just extra, you know. Yeah. But how did, you know, how did the fight go in your words? What did you make of Moses as a, as an opponent? You know what? Uh, the fight was very tough and I made some mistakes, you know, and and I think I, he, he won some rounds because uh, I made the mistake, you know, of uh, kind of like uh, step off the gas, you know. But once I was in, in, in front of him and just pushing him back, pushing him back, pushing him back, I always control him, you know what I mean? But I let him take momentum and and, and that's the runs that I lose, you know. So I made that mistake, you know. I knew I know in fact that I if I didn't do that I would've win him I would've win like every round, you know. 
Yeah, I mean, and then, it's more uncomfortable. And then I, and then I realized, you know, that you no, know, you don't have to push back again. So that's how we ended the fight the last three, four rounds. We finished hard, you know, and that's how we get the decision. Yeah, it was like a fight, like you say, you started really well and then he kind of came back in the middle rounds and then you finished really well. So a brilliant, brilliant win. Um, do you know at this at this point when you're going to be fighting next at all, Ray? Well, I'm I'm waiting, you know, I'm uh, negotiating. Uh, um, I still didn't see what, what happened. Um, it's a big uh, fight on the horizon for me, you know. I might fight, uh, it's a possibility that I fight uh, Lomachenko once if he wins or uh, Mikey Garcia you know so those are the, the fights that we need you know the big fights for us and, and very uh, um, attractive to us you know so because I was going to ask you if you were looking at maybe taking on you know like a good challenger but it looks like you you know it looks like you you want to unify your world titles is that right yeah I mean uh, I want to get a challenger but you know but also um I want to get the big fight, you know. I want to get the fight the big guys, improve myself, you know. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot. Obviously, there's a huge fight this weekend that I want to talk about in just a moment. But um, obviously, you've got you've got at the moment Linares. Whoever wins out of his fight against Lomachenko will, you know, they'll hold the. Uh, the, the the WBA title, the WBC right now is with Mikey Garcia and of course the IBF with Robert Easter Jr. Is there anyone in particular out of all those guys that you want most? I mean, I, the more, uh, I mean, everybody's a champion, you know, it's very attractive to me. Uh, but the biggest names is uh, is Linares, uh, Garcia and Lomachenko, you know. Yeah. Us. But, you know, Robert is a very tough champion too you know I got nothing but respect for him too but it's more attractive you know for me to fight one of those guys you know yeah for sure now it seems like a long time ago that you were with Freddie Roach for you know for a while um Freddie's a man that gets a lot of plaudits for his training methods for his techniques for his success what was it like working with him um back in the day Ray well Freddie is a very smart trainer you know he's really really uh, works on the it's very smart, you know. He knows what to tell you when you're in the ring and, and and what to do to win the fight. And he told you exactly what punch you need to throw, you know, to to land it. You know what I mean? And uh, and it was a great experience. You know, I wish we could uh, uh, train together for longer. You know, but but it was too busy. You know, training with uh with uh the big champions. You know, back then. You know, Manny Pacquiao, uh, uh, Amir Khan. You know, and all the champions they had. So. We couldn't, you know, we couldn't uh, keep working together. It was just too busy, you know. I needed somebody to give me more time. Yeah, it's a shame that that happens a lot to fighters. Um, like you say there, when you were training with Freddie, you were in the gym with the likes of Manny Pacquiao. I know that you, um, you, you had many rounds in the gym with him sparring. I'm guessing that you probably sparred Amir Khan as well. Um, what was it like to spar Manny Pacquiao, and was he the best fighter that you'd ever sparred with, or is there somebody different that, that I don't know about? Manny Pacquiao, you know, I think the hardest uh, sparring, the hardest fight of my, my boxing career. The training with him is way harder than a fight. Wow. It's been, like, so intense, you know, very, 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 very intense. You can you can get comfortable in any, not even a second, you know. It's always make you work, make you work, make you work all the time, you know. 
uh, it was a great experience, you know, like almost 10 years working together. It's a dream come true to me as well. And I'm Be guessing... with one of the greatest. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Certainly of this era. Um, and and did you ever spar Amir Khan? If you did, I'd like to ask you, who did have the quicker hands? <laughs> you know what? They were both very quick, you know, just different styles. But Amir was... Uh, it was very fast, you know, very, very quick, you know, but but many was more intense. His intensity was everybody was every time everyone was more intense over and over more and more, you know what I mean? You keep up the intensity. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he's he, he can overwhelm he uh, can overwhelm you a little. Yeah. I mean yeah, many was just something else. And coming Amir, down to... you know, I mean I'm a great fighter as well, you know, but I mean, uh, I think I have better days with Amir than I did with Pacquiao. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, but down. I mean, nothing, no, nothing but respect to Amir as a great champion. You know what I mean, uh, I mean, I can't say anything bad about him, you know, because he was no, no bad, you know, no, nothing bad to say about him. You know, he's a great fighter, so he's a great experience, a very, very tough guy, you know, as well, very, very, very tough. Yeah, he's he's a good guy as well outside of the ring. Um... I want to ask you also, Ray, have you sparred any other great fighters over the years that, you know, that I haven't mentioned just there? I mean, well, the biggest name is, I mean, I spar, uh, um, uh, Jorge Linares, I spar, uh, I mean, Jose Ramirez, you know, and, um, uh, uh, I spar also, uh, uh, Sergio, uh, Sergio, uh, Oh, okay, Sergei Lipinets, yeah, the uh, the champion who yeah. just lost to Mikey. Yeah, and I forgot who I was, but, you know, been some champions on my list, you know, just forgot about the other names. Can't yeah. think about it right now. No, that's fine. Um, and, yeah, I wanted to ask you, you your opinion on the fight this weekend, Lomachenko versus Linares, obviously Lomachenko moving up in weight. Who do you believe will win that fight? You know what, it's a very, uh, to me, it's, I think it's a very even fight. I mean, Lomachenko is very talented, you know. Also, uh, um, uh, Linares. But Lomachenko shows that he doesn't don't really have that, that big punch, you know what I mean? But his, his skills, he's just a lot of skills. But now the question is, how is he going to deal with a, a lightweight, you know? Because he's been facing the last opponents. They've been way smaller for him, you know? So, I don't know. I'm, I'm just wondering what... You know, uh, how's he going to do with uh, with the nurse? You know, um, I think this is going to be a very technical fight because they're both, they're both very technical. Yeah, they certainly are. It's, it's kind of gone under the radar a little bit. It's such a mega fight, but, you know, not many people yeah. in the UK are talking about it because both guys don't have huge names in the UK, probably because their English is not fantastic, but... Um, I'd like to ask yeah. this question, Ray, to everybody that we speak to from overseas. Who comes to mind when I ask you, who's your favorite UK fighter of all time? It can be any era. Who would you say is probably your favorite UK fighter to watch ever? What is that? The guy, the guy that fought uh, Jeremy McLennan. Uh, Nigel Ben. Nigel Ben, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a tough guy. Very, very tough. You know, I like uh, uh, Nigel Ben. I also like... Uh, 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 what is his name? Uh, um, man, I know, I know the guys. Because, oh man, I, I got, I, I know his name. And I got the glove here. You know, I got his glove signed by by him. 
I thought you was going to say somebody like maybe Prince Nassim Hamed. Everybody says him. Uh, you know, I don't know. Man. It's very, it was very, uh, I say, very uh, controversial, you know, fighter. You know, very, uh, it was tough, you know, but he was a showman, you know, very, very great fighter. But not my 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 type, you know. And I and I like different style fighters, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, you that's know, fine. I mean, like Nick Band, you know that. But but Nassim, you know, is a great fighter as well. Yeah, I, mean, I can't take nothing away from him. I can't say even nothing negative about him. I mean, it's nothing but my got my respect. Yeah. But it's just not my, it's not my my type of a. I don't know. Like I like the guys like Maidana. You know Maidana, the guy from Argentina. Oh yeah. I like I like the type of fighter, you know, type of fighter that come and fucking come and get it. You know what I mean? Like, he's gonna come and get it. Carl Froch was a little bit like that. Oh, Carl Froch, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Carl Froch, another one, yeah, yeah. You're right. I and agree. Finally, Ray, just before I let you go, I just wanted to give you an opportunity to send out any kind of message to your UK fans. Obviously, when you came over here to take on Ricky Burns, you earned a lot of fans. I'm sure your UK fan base is even bigger now. What's your message to the guys over here that support you? Well, you know what? Uh, and I tell you that from my heart, that uh, I'm when I fought Ricky Burns, you know, maybe that... I mean, God... God I mean, God uh, got plans for everybody. I think uh, I gained way more fans like that with that decision. And even actually winning the fight, so uh, I really uh, appreciate that, and 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 make me appreciate my fans back in the UK because they they're real fans. They they really respect the the the, the boxing, and I'm very grateful. And, and thank you, you know, for all the support and always uh, reaching out to me and on the messages on Instagram, you know, even on Facebook, you know. I really that really means a lot to me. Hopefully someday. Uh, I can go back over there and, and put a good show for all my fans back in the UK, you know, and 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 I can please them, you know. Uh, well, I, and hopefully, uh, if I get one of the big fights soon, you know, and and I can put a great show to to make you proud, you know what I mean? Thank you and thank you very much and God bless everybody in the UK. Excellent. Very well said. But listen, Ray, it's been an absolute honour interviewing you this week. I thank you for your time. I wish you the best of luck with everything outside of the ring and inside of the ring um, in the near future. And we will catch up again soon, I'm very sure. Well, thank you. The honour is mine. And, and thank you for having me on your on your show, you know. And again, so my fans know what's going on with me nowadays. And thank you very much. Okay, and this wraps up episode 134 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I, as Sumra, has been I, as Sumra. A special thank you to our two guests on this week's show, the WBO lightweight champion of the world, Mr. Raimundo Beltran, and the Commonwealth cruiserweight champion, Mr. Luke the Duke Watkins. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to our listeners, the same every single time. Once again, please, if you do have time, remember to leave us a review on iTunes. The Prediction League scores are currently at my Self on 33, I as on 38, and you, the listeners, in the lead with 39 points. Best of luck with all of your predictions this weekend, but most importantly, enjoy your weekends, people, and we shall see you all again next week. <laughs>